Hey, this is Dave Fryer. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Derek Keith is back. Derek, thanks for taking time out of your afternoon. Uh, and Derek is also a part-time model. Would you like to show off the latest in Leading Agile wear? Here we are. Keep you safe while you're running around the neighborhood and letting people know all about Agile. And, and if necessary, I just uh, will signal uh, planes in the sky. You're totally safe. Cool. All right. So Derek and I are going to take on a question from a student. I'm going to play it for you because this guy was actually kind enough to send me an audio recording of himself asking the question. But I'll give you the short version first, the TLDR. That's what the kids say now. Um, he took a CSM class. He works in traditional supply chain, and he's trying to get his company to transform. And he is under the impression that if you're starting from scratch, you can kind of install the Agile mindset. But he's faced with the problem of a long-timey traditional company that wants to make a switch, and they're not Agile in their way they look at work. They're not Agile in their practices. They don't know how to do Scrum. He wants to know what to do. Hi, Dave. Andrew here. I took your Scrum Master class and your Product Owner class a couple weeks ago, and I got a lot out of it. Thanks so much for everything you did for everyone in the class. After taking the class, I was thinking about how I could apply what I've learned to my organization and to all of our customers who are thinking about implementing Scrum teams in their supply chain organization. So what my question is for you, Dave, is, what do you think is needed for an organization to transform to develop an agile mindset across the organization and develop successful scrum teams? I'd imagine that you know, new organizations have the benefit of not having a status quo to compare to so they don't have to deal with change so they can start with agile mindsets and they can start with scrum teams from the get-go. But organizations that have been established and have been around for decades and even centuries have the challenge of having a traditional way of doing things. So they have to get over the change management and implementing and changing the way they think. It, it seems like a lot to do for an organization. So I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on what an organization that's established, what they should do. Derek, what do you do? Might go on another job. No, I just start drinking um, in the morning. That, absolutely, that works for me. <laughs> um, you just—it's it, he asked a very complicated question, and I, I think he was in pursuit of a very simple answer. And there's not, there are no simple answers. Um, it, it, yeah, it's the install the agile is the uh, common request, and if he again, if he's going to go start at a brand new company. If there's like half a dozen people sitting around a card table writing code and they're going to deploy a product, okay, maybe. But the idea is they're forming that team for the first time and hopefully they like each other and they have everything necessary to, you know, deliver something to market. And suddenly they have all the ingredients necessary to be an agile team or be a successful scrum team. But even if you take those guys and you make them all read the manifesto and the principles, they're not going to be in an agile mindset necessarily. No. Because no. they bring the baggage of every job they had before they got to the card table. Right. And he's compounding the issue by saying, yeah, I have a potential company that's been around over 100 years, a supply chain organization. How do I install the agile in this? You right. know, and how, do I, how do you change the hearts and minds of these people at scale? 
So let's let's try to take it rather than as you said in an earlier take of this podcast, Eric said I was crushing the poor man's dreams. So we'll try not to do. We'll try to help lift you up yeah. a little bit. So this is something that's not just like a supply chain traditional company. This is pretty much every existing company that decides to switch to one degree or another. Um, they don't know agile. They're not familiar with it. All these concepts seem kind of weird, but they want the ends. They want the outcome of, of uh -huh. agile. So when you walk in the door, how do you begin to like just? get a foothold with that transformation because there's so many things that you have to change and so many things that have to be dealt with how do you figure out where the best starting point is so my past experience where i've seen the most success success the the caller actually or your your student actually had mentioned something it wasn't just oh how do i implement a scrum team but what do i do about this change management process okay and the, the example that I give is uh, Cotter's Eight Steps of Change. Have you heard of Cotter's Change Management Model? I think it would be helpful for the viewers if you were able to explain what Cotter's Eight Step Change Model is, Derek. Okay, so I'm not going to say I'm a change management expert, but I'm going to... I'm gonna, but you'll uh, play one on a podcast. That's right. I, you know, <laughs> I did stay at the Holiday Inn Express last night. I don't know if anybody <laughs> does those commercials anymore. But anyway, so Cotter's Change Management Model... Um, is we start with creating in this climate for change, and then we're in, engaging and enabling the organization, and then we're going to implement and sustain the change. So okay. first thing you do, first thing you do, so you're trying to change this organization, you're going to create this sense of urgency, and we have to do this or our organization is going to die. It's like, we're, you know, we are... Imagine if they had created a sense of urgency around blockbuster video or one of these other dinosaurs that okay you know, if they could the see the train on. coming and they knew if they can see the, then there's something then also now yeah okay there's there's a sense of urgency now we're going to form this coalition of people that are going to make this change and okay. you create the people that can influence throughout the organization so that's why I say we see the most successful transformations or even implementing. Agile within an organization is if you start at the top and you start working your way down. Otherwise, I've seen I've seen Scrum and Agile work well, kind of like under the covers. Yeah, but people the do implement it at the team level too, right? I mean, they do, happens. but it can be short lived if you don't have buy in from those above you, and you will have a longer, more sustainable change if you can get in, you know acceptance and adoption throughout the organization, higher level. So do you, does that mean this is a two-pronged attack then? You've got to go at the team level and the executive level, or do you want to go executive first? Well, I like to get buy-in from the executives, but absolutely, we have to make things happen on a team level. Okay. You know, the teams are making it happen. They're delivering the product. They're, you know, the, but we're going to ask them to do things a little bit differently. If we have a scrum team, we're asking them to do things differently than they did. 20 years ago yeah. uh, and so we need to create some ground cover for them and by getting some by building a coalition above them building you know their managers and their directors and vice presidents they understand why they're doing what they're what we're asking them to do then okay. it creates some safety for them and then now they can start thinking a little bit differently versus i have to hit this deadline i have to do these things yeah well do you do you spend time with them trying to refine their goals like to me say we've got the supply chain company we want to take it agile i'm like well great you know i want to have 18 percent body fat and a billion dollars in the bank but uh -huh. you know good chance with that so 
let's just start with one little thing. Like, what's one little thing we can try to get as a win? Yeah. So it's funny you say that because that's the next step. Like, because I have eighteen percent body fat and a billion dollars in the bank. Yeah. So that's almost like that's almost a separate podcast where we talk about outcomes and key results. But um, but we're going to talk about that. You know, that's the vision. What's the vision of change? What's the goal? So you're going to communicate. You're going to create that vision of that change, and then the next step is to communicate that vision of change out throughout the organization. Okay. Okay. So so now, if those teams understand what the vision is, well, then now you empower the action. You can empower those teams. Funny, empowered teams. Now you say, "This is the vision. This go forth, execute, create something." You know. And so, so you're. I want to play devil's advocate. Okay. I'm him. I sit the executives down. I explain why Agile is awesome. They're like, yep, let's get Agile. So I turn to the teams and I say, hey, we're going to be Agile. Go be Agile. Right. Well, that it's kind of a, uh, it's a good point if they're not delivering on the objectives or the goals of the organization. Okay. If not, I mean, they can, they're being the Agile, but that's not the goal. The goal is whatever, there may be some higher level goals for the organization, either Getting earlier return on investments, increasing yeah. throughput, uh, becoming more predictable—that might be something that they want. Um, being trans, more transparent with the organization. I mean, they have all kind, or maybe uh, controlling costs. There's all these different reasons why they want to be agile, but agile is not the It's not the goal. So I'm glad you went there. That's where I was sort of hoping we were going to end up because I think. A lot of people come out of the classes and they're like, yeah, we got to do Scrum, yeah, we got to get Agile. But I think if you don't know why, yeah. if you don't have some business drive or some reason, then as soon as this gets tough, everybody's going to bail. Yeah. And yes, it's going to get tough no matter what you do. It's gonna it be will tough. get tough. It's not if it's going to get tough, it's when it's going to get tough. Yeah. So, yeah, Simon Sinek wrote this book called Start With Why. Uh, or, or he didn't start, he didn't write a book initially, he did a TED Talk on it. But he said, if you want long-term, you know, success, you start yeah. with why, not with the mechanics of what or how. Okay. And so you can use that to drive the change. Yes. Like we're yes. going to put up with the struggle of going to stable teams because it's going to get us closer to the outcome we're, we're pursuing, which is never right. agile. Agile is just a means. Right. To You're not going to see on an organizational roadmap the agile it's going to be increased. Uh, well, that's, that's the increase. part that comes right before the rainbows. Yeah, that's right. We've got over here. We've got teddy bears over here. We have rainbows and unicorns. But yeah, they're looking at we're trying to increase top line revenue by five percent in twenty eighteen or something like that. And okay. we believe that by being more agile or having you know implementing using Scrum as a delivery mechanism on team level, that we're going to help will help realize that goal. Okay. So he's in this position where he's, you know, drank a little bit of the Kool-Aid. He wants to go back and figure out how to do it. He's mm-hmm. going to run into resistance along the way. If that was you, and maybe you're not ready to have the conversation about why organizationally do we want to go through this struggle, what mm-hmm. would your first tactical step be? My first tactical step would identify some quick wins okay. within the organization to get some traction. Because you can have these big lofty goals of transforming the organization, but if you can't get some quick wins early on, I've said it before, the, this this experiment uh, yeah. is going to come to an end. 
And you need to build the confidence of these teams. You need to build the confidence and create more safety for the executives because they're putting their necks out on the line as well. Yeah. You know, they, they've been successful for the last 50, 100 years doing things the old way. They Where got big offices that way. That's right. Brands might take a risk. You know, yeah. and so we need to show them, create some safety for them, show them some results. And so to do that, again, to engage and enable the organization, we need to get some quick wins. So then, how, oh, good. No, and then just build on that change. You know, that so from, from a metrics perspective, how important it is to establish some kind of baseline? Like if you say we want to increase revenue, we want to increase throughput of work, we want to increase quality, don't you have to take some, because this seems to me like a simple thing that nobody does. Shouldn't you take some kind of baseline measurement before you get started? Absolutely. And so there lies the rub because we're asking people to put their necks out on the line and, uh, and again, and, and make this change. And then if we we're either going, if we do not take a baseline measurement, then it's going to maybe feel better. Or right. maybe it'll be six months to a year we're going to discover maybe we did get 10% increase top-line revenue or not. We don't know. Okay. But if you don't take an initial measurement, well, what is it right now? And what we're trying to do is um, help fund that change as well. So this okay. is an investment. We believe that we're going to do this. Well, it's going to come down to money. At the, you know, And yeah. either we're going to save or make this company some money or this organization – and we can say, say that by saving time, we can convert that to money. But my point is, you need to kind of self-fund this initiative. And by taking baseline measurements, that helps us know what the improvement is or if we are improving or not. So if he's going to start off, how long, just on average, I'm not asking you how long it takes to go agile. I'm just asking from your experience, if he's trying to set expectations in terms of a window before the improvement actually begins, because it's going to start out and then take that dip. Yeah. How long before it, it starts to exceed where, it, where he started, where things start to get better? Once we get the system in place, the system of delivery, and I say the system of delivery being comprised of, I've got some backlog for the teams to work and deliver on i have the team formed and i have all the tools and the environments everything necessary in order to execute once we are off and running once we've started okay. our first sprint i traditionally say it usually takes three sprints to, for things to start to shake out for things to stabilize which the irony around that is we hear you know when i've worked with some teams they're like oh we can't do anything less than a month-long sprint yeah. I'm like, well, we're not going to stabilize for three months then. And if you can feel the pain, I understand it's going to be hard. If we can do right. two-week sprints, now we're talking six weeks, and we can see a meaningful improvement, or we can start to see that team stabilize. Once we see that team stabilize, well, then we can start to adjust the knobs or pull the levers, whatever we need to do to make some fine-tuned adjustments say, well, where is it? What's the next area of improvement that this team can be focused on? So since this is a larger organization that he works in, what one of the things I would suggest also is that you have some kind of go point that you mark and track how long it is before you start to see the change. Mm -hmm. Because then you could look at, you know, the next team and the next team and the next team in the same way that you'd like to see an individual team stabilizing and then maybe increasing their velocity during a sprint. Maybe mm -hmm. organizationally 
they can get better and better at ramping these teams up and getting them through that initial pain. Yeah, I think it's a really bad idea to try to do this to the entire organization all at once. Okay. Uh, and the reason, and the reason why is one, it's expensive. You know, yeah. to do the proper, the proper investment to train these teams and to help them build backlogs and everything like that. That's that's a lot of effort. And, and, might the fail. Thing, and they very well will fail. The yeah. question is to what degree. And if we can control that, if we can narrow it down to, I say, describe it as a pilot. A pilot team or, or a small collection of teams, if we can then focus on them, well, then it, what's going to benefit the company the most is what we're going to learn as we improve those teams. We're going to see the first, the biggest failures with these first teams because we hadn't done this before. But so my point is, yeah. You finish your point and then well, I will chime in. I was going to say because we can then apply those learnings to all the other teams that we will touch at a later date. So yeah, really benefit from that. When I started to do work with transformation and I would get put on pilot projects, I always, I kind of was under the impression that a pilot team was the one that you used to figure out how to make agile work in the company. Mm -hmm. And years later, I came, to, I just kind of dawned on me that that was completely stupid, and that what you're actually doing is those pilot teams, they're they're the canaries you're just throwing down the well to see if they come out alive or not. You just want to see what bad things happen when you try to throw Agile into the company, and those are the teams you're going to do it with. So I don't look at those teams like I expect them to succeed. I consider the success of those teams coming through the information they feed back, like how much dissonance is created, how many people want to quit, how irritated is the PMO because they're not getting the reports anymore, can the executives actually wait three weeks to get stuff back, things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, I look at things from this a value curve. So yeah. the lower, from the lower left, you've got this value curve. You're really not delivering any value, and then you start to ramp things up. That's really where the value is, and then things start to taper off. Now, just the opposite of that, when you're at the very, very beginning of the value curve, that's where all the risk is at the very beginning. And as you start to trend up on that value curve, that's when the risk starts to come down. Yeah, and and so I see that with these teams, the very beginning, you're not seeing any value delivery, and you, that's a lot of risk in the system. Our job is to not only focus on improving or delivering value, but then lowering that risk. And it doesn't matter if that's product delivery or if it's even introducing change into this company. The same thing. So let's get back to his actual question because we've been talking okay. a lot about his question. We haven't really given him it. We've given him a couple of things maybe, but. The question kind of comes down to what does he have to establish? How does he get started? And um, we've talked about resetting expectations a lot, but when you've mentioned a couple of things he can do to get started, um, he's going to have to get permission to set up teams somewhere, right? Yeah. So, so he's going to have to get, there's going to be a lot of, I'd say permission. He, need, he needs to create safety for these teams or they're not going to want to yeah. go on this journey with him. And so one of them, again, so that's why I said Cotter's steps as part of it is he needs to get some buy-in from the organization to create the, create the conditions for this team to survive. Okay. You know, and, and he needs to be able to either through process or through backlog design or these different things is he needs to limit as many dependencies or limit as many constraints on these teams as possible, again, in order to help them be successful and to survive. Okay. And, 
And so again, that and that's just one more reason why you want to get buy-in from management or leadership to do this, because you're going to ask clearly we're going to ask these teams not to do all the things that the rest of the organization is doing. Right. You know, being if it's doing time reporting, we want to focus more on value delivery, or we're focusing more on throughput versus utilization, those type of things. Or going to every quarter, things like that. Yeah. There are going to be some fundamental things we're going to ask the team not to do. We're going to have permission not to do these things in order for them to grow as a a scrum team or an agile team. Okay. Um, But a lot of this is managing expectations from leadership, getting permission from leadership, and having them create space for this to, to exist. And, and trying to be patient and have realistic expectations. Because Absolutely. there's lots of companies that fail two or three times before they actually figure it out. Right, because that's the thing, is they're trying to figure it out, and they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. And, that's, and again, that's why I'm saying why we do a start with pilot teams, because I, I don't, I expect them, as you, as you noted, they're, you're gonna throw them down the well, or they're gonna yeah. fail. But we're going to learn so much from that, and we're going to benefit so much from that. Uh, it's about limiting the impact of the organization, or for us to maximize what we're going to learn. From Reducing the risk of transformation. Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. So taking off, I'm taking off my leading agile hat for a second. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I always say in class um, is that you know I'd love it if people hired us, but to me, it's that's not the main thing. I think if you want this stuff to work. You have uh-huh. two choices. You figure it out on your own, which is time takes a lot of time and is expensive that way. Or you can go hire a coach, and you might reduce the time, but it's still very expensive. Yeah. Um, I think that a coach is somebody who has been through the mill a bunch of times, has seen stuff go wrong, can help you find the problems before they occur, and maybe work through them a little easier. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't know how. I wanted to see how you feel about that. Yeah, I used to, my perception of what a coach is, what uh, what I used to perceive what a coach was and what I do right. now are two different things. And I'm of the same thought process that, well, you can figure this out on your own. And, you know, if someone hires a consultancy to come in to help them, then there's going to be that one guy or gal that's going to go, I have been saying this for years. And you show up and suddenly now you're saving the day. And, I, and this is nothing new. This is what I've been preaching for years, and now they're listening to you. Right. And I get that. Now, given that, so you've got the first option, which is organically change over over time, which right. can be slow, slow or non-existent, uh, because if that evangelist leaves, then so does their improvements. Right. Um, if the system has been built strongly enough, it can resist change well enough to kind of push it back out. Right, yes. Like a journal. So, Right, like a germ. Yes. So that's option one. Option two is you hire coaches, and they are intelligent and knowledgeable, and they're good at Scrum, Kanban, Safe, whatever it might be, whatever the uh, framework is, and they're good at that, and they can reinforce that. But they get really good at delivery of that of that framework. Yeah. The difference is, and then, so that's option two, but the difference is you can get really good at that framework, but it doesn't necessarily get you to the goal. And they're not designed to get you to the goal. And then option three 
is the group that will say, wait a second, what's the business goal you're trying to accomplish? Okay, now what and now what do you have? Where are you right now? Where do you need to be to accomplish that goal? And they're solving okay. the problem a different way. And it's gonna and here's the thing is option one is the cheapest option. Option yeah. two clearly But it's not really good. cheapest. It's just cheapest today. It's gonna the take cost a lot isn't longer. There. The value isn't either. Right. Yeah. But the cost and is, the is a longer it's a longer cost. Yeah. Right. It's you don't you don't see it because it's just part of our current system of delivery. Whereas that very that final one where there's this what is the business goal and we're going to take you to that destination. Right. That one is expensive. But again, are you gonna do it in three months or are you gonna do it in six weeks? And I say you know, just based on sprint yeah. length. You know, are you gonna do the one month sprints and it's gonna take you three months, or are you gonna bite the bullet? And we're going to get this through the pain, but we're going to get there in six weeks. I'm not saying you're going to get the team where you want in six weeks. But what I'm saying is you're going to feel the pain in a much shorter period of time. You're going to pay for it. But now you have – there's that opportunity. Now you have beyond the six weeks. Now you can start getting return on that investment. Right. So, pay, so that's why I'm okay. I'm okay with people paying for coaches or consultants that will drive them in a direction – but it's making sure that they're not focusing on the wrong things. I think they do focus on Who does delivery. the coaches or the people there? The coaches. Okay. I think the coaches might be focused too far on Tactical. making somebody really, really good at scrum or really yeah. good at safe, and they're not solving a fundamental problem or helping that. So what will happen is, is you're going to have a really awesome team. They do really good scrum or really good safe or whatever, and then the company crashes and burns. Well, and they, maybe they don't know why. They, they don't, don't know yeah. why they're doing it. It doesn't help. Right. They're just being told to do this, whereas we want them to think yeah. about this. And then okay. we want them to improve. And they might – we want them to challenge us to say, yeah, I know that you taught us how to do this. But now, now that I get it, I think yeah. if we did – if I change this in the system of delivery, I think we could do better. And that's the point where they start to emerge from just being told what to do to these right. – people that are improving the system themselves. That's where we want to take them. So if people would like to have a conversation with you, Derek, about how to improve themselves yeah. or their organizations, um, what's the best way to reach you? So I would say easiest way is through Twitter. Okay. So my Twitter account is open, open to the degree that you can send me a direct message and we don't have to be friends or you don't have to be a follower, just the way my account is configured. And so... Um, it's easier than email. Email, I'm being saturated with emails. So the quickest way to reach me is Derek Ether, at Derek Ether for, through uh, Twitter. Uh, though okay. I'm available on LinkedIn and, and the other. Snapchat, because you're down with all the hipster kids. Yeah. And they can also find you on a leading Agile site. Absolutely. Go under the guides page, and you'll see me trying to look all look dapper. Or yeah, click on the link in the show notes for the podcast. You know what? I think that would be a more direct route. I think it would actually be better. <laughs> right, and cool. how would they reach out to you, sir? Ah, they can send me an email at dave.prior at leadingagile.com. And the person who submitted the question this week sent me an MP3 of himself asking the question. If you want to send us a short video or a recording, that would be great. Um, we love doing these kinds of questions. It's fine if they come in text, but it's always better if we get a little bit more of a human element there. So I'd like to thank 
person who sent in the question. And for those of you watching, please send us some more. Again, dave.priorleadingagile.com. Thanks for watching. And thanks, Eric.